Today's show is brought to you by James Brood Rooftop Tents. Are you wanting to spend your nights in the wild in superior comfort and convenience? Look no further than James Brood Rooftop Tents. Their premium European design and manufactured tents are built to last. And with a 30 second setup and a one minute pack down time, you'll have more time to relax by the fire after a long day of exploring with friends or family. Their hard shell tents are not only incredibly strong and lightweight, but they also feature a sleek and aerodynamic design that will turn heads at any campsite. Plus, with a five-year warranty, they stand behind the quality and durability of their products. So why wait? Check out their range of rooftop tents and camping accessories today at jamesbrood.com.au. Don't just camp, elevate your adventure with James Brood Rooftop Tents. G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. G'day and welcome to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. And today we have a very special guest, someone that I've been wanting to get on for a, quite a while. Ranger Kayla, how are you going? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. How's your day been? Yeah, not too bad, busy. So thanks for having me on here. It's that's really good. good. No, no, I really appreciate you coming on. I, I think you'll um, bring a fantastic insight onto onto the podcast, that's for sure, and I know many of the guests will enjoy your insight. Awesome. <laughs> so where are, you f- where are you from? I'm originally from Adelaide, South Australia, but I now live in Queensland on the Gold Coast. Very nice. What, what made you make the jump from little old Adelaide up to Queensland? Um, just needed to. Went to Perth for a little bit and it just seemed to be the thing for me, and I got to grow up a little bit, I say. Yeah. And then, yeah, and Queensland always was on my list, and it just worked out right. And here I've been for years now. It's a bit warmer up there too. You're escaping South Australia yeah. cold winters. You know, it was three three degrees the other morning when I got up. <laughs> um, I have a fireplace, and, and yeah, I yeah, cold sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it gets cold here. <laughs> so I think I kind of answered it at the start of the start of the podcast what do you do yeah. for work so i'm a park ranger um or a wildlife ranger at a wildlife park as well awesome and how did you get into that um well i started my career off as an animal attendant and vet nurse um from there it kind of just um built with more experience my vet nursing actually got me into fire work as a spotter catcher on the pipelines when i moved over here awesome. and from there i just fell in love with wildlife um, did a wildlife demonstrations and as a presenter, and then I eventually fell into a park ranger job as well. So yeah, pretty lucky. It's good. That's awesome. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely was a dream dream job of mine growing up to become a a, a park ranger. Um, as we discussed before the podcast started, yeah. um, how long have you been doing that for? Um, in this position now, probably four and a bit years, uh, but I've been working with animals and wildlife for. 17 years now awesome awesome yeah so have you always been obsessed with 
with animals and wildlife and yeah i i was that awkward kid that'd bring home an injured bird and yeah just just loved them absolutely loved them <laughs> i know that kid that kid was me too <laughs> yeah i rescued everything <laughs> i'm a straight dogs cat it's yeah it's a thing <laughs> my daughter's the same too i love it <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so how yeah. how did you get into getting into hunting becoming like from a park ranger getting into hunting um well to be honest it was never something i actually thought i would be interested in or get into i was as i mentioned i was a vet nurse at the start so it's strictly domestic animals and it's quite boring but as you sort of learn and get go into situations and you start to see things differently and for me um with a job as a spotted catcher many years ago um i kind of was interested in like the pest management side but yeah when you're out in the pipeline and you have an injured, it's not even as a hunting thing, an injured, an injured animal and you can't help it, a firearm would be the best thing to use because it it's traumatic. So yeah. from there I kind of learnt more about it. I also saw a lot of destruction out there and it kind of just was became an interest from then. So what was your kind of first hunting experiences? Um, my first one would be... Um, let me think actually was we had was we have a fox that was around yeah and um it, we've there was a bit of a massacre site i won't say where but yeah it was not a good thing so <laughs> and i could smell it yeah and i was very lucky to meet um a person who was just the right person to teach me and from there he taught me all the right things and from in tracking animals and whatnot and how to use a firearm and that the rest is history. <laughs> so how long have you uh, you been hunting for? A year. A year? Awesome. Yeah. Um what what type of things have you hunted? What type of experiences have you had? Um so foxes and hares. hares? My first awesome. one I got was a hare. Yeah. yeah. I've got its tail. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, I, I love hunting hares. They're a they're a cool little critter. I especially yeah. love bow hunting them. Like I do a fair bit yeah. of spotlighting for them as well, but um, yeah, yeah, bow hunting in them is like they're so cunning, and they've got great eyesight. Absolutely, <laughs> this one was like running towards me, so it was a good. <laughs> not sounds terrible. It's the first spot time, and it made it easier. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did you did you eat the hair or not? Um, not- no, we. <laughs> We gutted it and yep. we also forgot all of that. We forgot the gloves, we forgot the bags, we forgot the esky. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was dirty work and we yep. just got some grass and we took it for um, our pet dogs and also for the dingoes at work, so some game meat. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah hair, yep. hair can be a funny one. Some people really love it. Some people aren't a massive fan. Um, like compared to rabbit, I'm not a massive fan of hair. It's all right yep. in a slow cooker if you're chucking in a slow cooker with some nice nice curry sauces and herbs yep. and spices and just let it go through like that. But uh, give me rabbit over over hair any day, that's for sure. I'll eat anything, but I just don't cook. I'm not a good cook. I can cook, but it, yeah, I'm just not good enough to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it, all, it all comes with practice. <laughs> yeah. I'm a good cook for crocodiles and dingoes. I thought it was fabulous. <laughs> 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 bit of sushi hair, sashimi yeah. hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So <laughs> what type of, um, like, you, you went and got your firearms license. What type of firearms did you start out, start uh, out so with? So, yeah, I am... Um, I'm currently going for my firearms license yeah. as we speak, um, but I learned on a is a Savage 22. Yeah, and it started off with target practice, and um, yeah, just we'd get you know cups and we'd get entire things to trees, just set up stations everywhere. Yeah, turns out it's a bit of a hidden talent for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, had really good grouping and all that. That's great. Um, yeah, and from there just just developed. So. The next one was a 308. Yeah. How'd you go <laughs> with that? meter target. I loved it. <laughs> um, I'm not scared of the, you know, the, um, the. oh, my God, my brain's not working today. The uh, kick bike. That yeah. didn't bother me. It's more the sound. <laughs> Again, turns out I'm a natural at it. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and just, yeah, that's, and just knowing limitations. Like I, I saw a shotgun. I went, no, I'm okay. I no interest with that. Just, yeah. Using something that you're suited to and yeah. not trying to go too big too soon. Yeah, no, that's that's understandable. But I reckon you'd love love a love a shotgun once you get into yeah. it. Clay pigeon shooting's great fun. <laughs> <laughs> I want a, a two two three. That's mine because it's going to be an all rounder. Yeah, perfect, perfect. <laughs> that's a um, that's a great caliber to to get into. So exactly. <laughs> <laughs> normally here, I'd run through what type of gear you're running. You said you're yep. you're wanting a um, 223. Have you looked at any particular brands or got anything well, in mind? Um, I'm pretty much asking everybody So because I'm so unfamiliar with brands and everything yep. as said as a novice. I'm loving the whole research side of things and getting other people's opinion um, and price range too. I just know that I will definitely not cheap out on one yep. and I have a limit and a really good – Torch and scope for yeah. sure. Is there well. any brands that have caught your eye so far, or what? Did, what you've um, recommended? Uh, I can never remember the name. It's a fancy name. If I see it, I'll know it. But <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. helps, doesn't it? No, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> there's just so many. There's, um, there's I, was, I really like the Savage because I learnt on that. But then yeah. when I did my firearms course, they hated it, and the one that I used, I didn't like. Like <laughs> the, it was like this weird magazine. It was a like a cylinder revolving one and it was yep. just fiddly um but then the one that i learned on was just it just lasted forever so <laughs> yeah watch this space you'll see it soon and i'll let you know awesome but, awesome yeah as long as it looks natural i like i'm, I'm all for about the the wood looking ones so yeah so i don't want shiny <laughs> hunting pack what do you carry around in a pack when you go out hunting well, I'm Miss Safety, so I'm all about first aid kits. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, F10 disinfectant and hand sanitizer because, you know, I'm disgusting. As you know, <laughs> I've gutted animals with my bare hands. <laughs> uh, that's um, that's yeah. normal. <laughs> A really good um, knife as well, gloves, water. Yeah. Um, the essentials, really. So, yeah. Perfect. But another, sorry? Perfect. Yeah, and a really good, a couple of different fo uh, fox whistles yeah. that I've been introduced to. So there was one that I I didn't like it. It was a, like a windy one. It was just, it looked like a, a kid's toy. Yeah. And they, yeah, you know that one? Yeah, yeah I didn't I like so. that. Yep. The little, yes, but the little fox whistle that just flipped um, in your mouth, I loved that one. Yep. So that was good. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's lots of different 
different brands and um, lots yeah. of different styles. You just got to, some of them are real difficult to use, um, but there's some real good squeakers and tenterfields and all that, that out. Excellent. <laughs> so being only a new hunter, um, mm-hmm. what type of challenges have you faced so far getting into hunting and what what could be easier in the process and um i think just there's a lot of limitations here which i which i understand but like um the reasons why i want to do it um it you need to find someone with like property and yeah. get permission to go on there um there's a lot of um i'd say controversy around it as well mm-hmm. too so that's a big thing and also um, not a lot of people are into the same thing as me. So you really need to find, for me, is finding the right people to go and learn from. Yeah. And, you know, because at the end of the day, it's a dangerous thing. You don't want to hang around risky people. Yeah, you don't want to so be that, out with cowboys. Oh, exactly. Like it's just, you know, there was a time and a place and that's just not my scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, just as I said, I'm not your typical female who's into that so yeah trying to find people that that are like-minded like me is a bit hard yeah (laughs) that's that's the challenges that i've faced yeah what what would be your top beginner tip for someone looking to get in especially a female looking to get into into shooting Um, or hunting go for it absolutely i love it anything that you know men can do we can do too It's, it's a good skill to know it's good on you but um, do it for the right reasons. You know, um, just think about why you want to do it. Like, you know, don't make it like a senseless kill. But yeah. my big thing is just learn, just make sure you find someone who will teach you right. Yeah. Um, don't do bad habits and just be safe. That's my big thing. And don't try to go too fast too soon. You know, like we always start somewhere and um, like we're all going to be awkward and, you know, it's okay as long as you're doing it for the right reasons and get rid of ego. Sorry. There's yep. no room for ego. Yep, exactly. Yep. No, that's, that's great. Uh, some great tips. Um, what would be the top five beginner items you would suggest for someone getting into what, what have you found that has helped you or what's been ba- like you've worn that's been horrible out? Oh, in closed shoes, boots, like you need that. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. Um, um, oh, what else? Oh, again, make sure you've got gloves and an esky to put anything in there. Um, again, I always have to go back to safety for me, that's just finding fine. a mentor or the right person to learn from because it to me that's crucial. Um, and, yeah, just make sure you're just aware of your surroundings, aware of what you're doing. To me, that's you can't beat that. That's what you need. Yes. Yeah, and so- have a mobile phone because you, you can be in whoop whoop too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mobile phone's a good one for for safety um i also carry a plb a personal locating beacon just in case um shit hits the fan you know especially with somewhere where you can't get cell reception you know there are they're only you know just a bit bigger than you know two two tins of mints so that's the only thing i could think of (laughs) about that size be prepared to walk long distances as well so don't like pack heavy items and too much because it would take the fun away from it as well Exactly. So, yeah, just you make sure you just know what the weather is, you've got the essentials and, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it all depends on what type of hunting you're doing, you know. 
some like, exactly. you know, backpack hunting you you're going to take a bit but it's always good to start start small you know go out for mornings and afternoon hunts absolutely yeah and even just like going there you don't even without having to go hunting just watching the behavior and, and the environment too because that tells you lots as well and looking for actual scats and signs of the animals there so you know what you're looking for and you know if, if it's the right time to do it too and yeah, yeah just not interrupting breeding and yeah yeah, hundred percent. Like, um, I, I, a lot of guests recommend, and I also recommend is good binoculars. Um, oh yeah, that's they, my other one. Absolutely, <laughs> oh, I love them. Not just for being a creep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's, that's that's cool. Uh, they're 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 essential, and um, they're just great to observe like you know when you go out hunting it's not it's not always killing something like i went out sunday and i spent i, I just took my traditional bow out with me and watched a bunch mm. of deer and rabbits and yeah. you know birds and all sorts of stuff and just you're sitting there chilling observing learning like you said looking out for tracks and different scat and just picking up their their patterns and learning the animals it's the best thing. It, it goes back to the whole, you know, um, hunter-gatherer hunter times and that's what I really love about it because it's, I don't know, for me it's extremely therapeutic. I, it's, I don't know, it's just a whole, like it's a whole other world out there and you don't realise exactly how abundant of like wildlife is when you go somewhere and it's, it's just really interesting and, yeah, I, I don't know, I think that's a really good way to learn. Exactly, exactly. I'm wearing my hunter-gatherer shirt right oh, now. We're matching. That's great. Dan from ET, you'll love that, mate. <laughs> oh, twinning. <laughs> <laughs> They're great I shirts. I didn't do that on purpose either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've got this one. I've got the, the rifle one. I've got um, hunt deer, <laughs> eat venison, and I, I just <laughs> rot rotate the three of them. <laughs> oh, awesome. I, yeah, I have the I have the one with the rifle. Yeah, and then yeah, and I also got one that's given to me. It says, "Um, we hunt like we're hungry." So that's an that's, that's one from America. Yeah, it's that's it's, it's good. Yeah, that's my shirt. There you go. <laughs> so oh, brilliant. Speaking of safety, what are your thoughts on um, like sound moderators, suppressors, silencers? Um, do you think they should be? something that's legalised in Australia for for hunting? Um, uh, this is a question. Uh, yes and no. One, I like to know if there is someone shooting a firearm around me <laughs> um, just because uh, for me, again, if I know, I've, I've been on a property before where we've had people hunting too and they yeah. weren't doing the right thing and they yeah. didn't have the right etiquette and it was quite dangerous. So if, yeah. Yeah, so if they had a silencer, I wouldn't like that. Yeah, so um, silencers don't actually take yeah. out all the sound. So you do still yeah. hear something. They just take it below the decibel that's going to destroy your hearing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So well, that's one to research and think about then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I know Dan from ET, he's about to do a... Uh, thing on suppressors for September. Um, it's it's something that a organisation we're both a part of, Firearm Owners United, uh, mm. are trying to 
look into, you know, um, New Zealand, if you go hunting over there without a suppressor, you kind of frowned upon. And then um, across Europe, England, where they where they hunt, you're only allowed to hunt with a suppressor. So Yeah. Yeah. We need to catch up with plans then. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. And it can make, make your, your hunting, you know, it doesn't stress out the animals as much, you know. You've got a group of deer or goats or, you know, it um, doesn't spook them as much. So, zombie apocalypse weapon. I knew knew you were looking forward to this one. Uh, it's some of my, my biggest fears. I'm into like blowtorch bombs, anything that will just kill them before they get anywhere near me. <laughs> yeah, just no thank fire. you. And kill the best team around me as well. <laughs> <laughs> kill them with fire. So, oh, oh. <laughs> no it. Knowing that I was going to ask this question today, and it's even better that zombies are your biggest fan, I screenshotted an article off of Lad Bible Australia today. The, the headline <laughs> reads, the hashtag zombies in China has caught fire with people certain that an apocalypse is upon us. People are concerned there's a zombie apocalypse going on in China at, at the moment. <laughs> I'm like, yes, my dreams have come true. <laughs> I always knew this day would come. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's a good skill to learn. It was, there's an apocalypse. It could be zombies. It could be grey aliens. Either way, you're done. <laughs> COVID was a letdown. Come on, zombies. <laughs> yeah. We just had Tiger King. Like, come on. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, anything that just will kill them any, any like before they get anywhere near me because, I don't know, there's something about them I just find gross and yuck. <laughs> if you had, I'm not sure how many zombie movies you've watched, if you had to pick a type of zombie to go up against, would it be like the Walking Dead zombies that are slow or would it be the 28-day-later uh, zombies that are super fast? <laughs> They all sound really, really traumatic and scary and yucky. So I took all of them. <laughs> but I remember many years ago, I bought this book called The Girl with All the Gifts. Did not know it was a zombie book. And But she was controlled in a science lab in a wheelchair. So I was okay with that. And they stopped her from eating them. So I'll go her. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. <laughs> that's, that's my extent of my zombies. <laughs> So when you've been out hunting, what have you forgotten on a hunt or even just like a bushwalk adventure hike, you know, um, I'm assuming with your job, you're, you're outdoors quite a bit. What's something you've forgotten that's been important when you've been out? Um, well, depending on the time of the year, one of the things at the moment, we're coming into midgy season. So that's the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because if you are getting bitten constantly, you can, again, you can't enjoy it. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Gloves, bags, meat esky. <laughs> we forgot. <laughs> um, water was quite essential. Yeah, got that too. Yeah. Yep. Oh, um, one time at, um, ammo. <laughs> <laughs> you'd you'd be surprised at how common that answer is that um, people have forgotten ammo out of the hunt or left bolts behind. It's oh uh, yeah. It's like well, that's a long trip back home. I've, I've gone out bow hunting and left my quiver at home. I've gone to my my hunting property and taken the bow out, started walking out and got got halfway down the track and I'm like, hang on, where's my arrows? I've had a, a 
the torch go flat, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> get yeah. the game over. <laughs> I've been there on on spotlighting <laughs> missions where we're just walking around the paddocks and batteries go back. Now now I take a whole whole big thing of double A's out with me, so we're constantly refilling up the torch. <laughs> yeah, with a power pack next to you. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm as I said, like so new to this. I've, I've it hasn't been like a lot of crazy experience, but you know enough to like make you realize, you know, okay. It's all about, you know, adapting and evolving yeah. and learning what makes it work for you and, you know, you always improve for the next time and, yeah, so uh, this is going to sound really weird but, again, it goes back to being fun. Toilet paper. Like, yep. I'm sorry. Like, in, you just need hygiene out there because, you know, you just need that kind of stuff and not just for you. It's like you need to wipe your hands. Yeah. You need water to wash your hands because if you forget gloves and you're gutting a hair and, you're proving that there are no worms in those intestines and you do it barehanded like I did. <laughs> you need that kind of stuff. My biggest tip for you, wet wipes. Yeah. They are a game changer. Oh, you cut to, out, sorry. I said wet wipes. They are a game changer yeah. compared to toilet paper when you're outfield, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And also um, F10 disinfectant it's like a vet grade one it yeah. kills everything so um and you know working with and dead animals and body parts and yeah you know the elements it's, <laughs> i definitely get that too <laughs> i can't say i've ever used hand sanitizer when i've i've been out in the field <laughs> f10's way better <laughs> it doesn't stink like hand sanitizer <laughs> it's veterinary grade <laughs> that's great um what's the funniest hunting have We'll change that up. Fishing. Mm. Are you into fishing as well? <laughs> so it's it's usually what's your hunt, funniest hunting fishing story, but I feel like we haven't yeah. covered if you're, you're into fishing yet. So I thought I'd just go down the sidetrack of that. Yeah, no, I love it. I really appreciate it. I um, I I, I love it, but I also hate it. It's just, <laughs> I'm weird. It's so, to me, it's so cruel because they're suffocating, but I love it. Um <laughs> Um, the funniest one would be um, only start of the year. My mate, the one that taught me how to hunt, he we always have random things happen when we go do this kind of stuff together. He's like, yeah. he, he's hit my partner in crime. Anyway, um, we went down to one of the canals and as a joker said, oh, you know, you're going to get a shark. <laughs> and he got something big on the hook and he lost it. I'm like, ha, ah, sucked in. That's a karma being me, smart ass. <laughs> then... Went to the um, down in Mermaid Beach a couple of nights later, and just, just as I rock up, he's hooked a shark. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was the most, I don't, it was just hectic because it, it got off the hook and it had its old hook in it from yeah. when it broke the line previously before I got there. Apparently, it was wrangling it for a while. And he throws the fishing rod, and I'm worried about the fishing rod, and he's wrangling the shark. The next thing we're pulling it in there, and it was just this team effort and was saturated. And it was just, I don't know, it was, it was just stupid because I paid him out for, like, losing the shark and then he gets it. And then he didn't even put any fillets when he crumbed it and cooked it either. What type of shark was that? Do you know? No. <laughs> it was a shark. <laughs> he had teeth. Flake's great. I, I love Flake. It's a very, very underrated fit. It is, isn't it? thing these days to eat. And, you know, people are very sensitive when it comes to shark fishing. Absolutely. And look, it, again, it, it's not a senseless like fish. Like he utilized it. He yeah. ate it. it. It, you know, 
it, it's not because he just did it as a like a trophy thing or a wanker shot. But one of the things that happened again, I'm prepared. He didn't have anything to to not let it die by from you know a cruel death. Yeah. So we're in the middle of like you know Hedges Avenue somewhere. I'm like googling how to. I'm like just get something sharp and here's where you do it in the back of the neck because that's what we do with the crocodiles. Yeah. And then he and I was like, don't let anyone see you do blunt force trauma. And we're trying to figure out a way to humanely do this in a suburban area. And yeah, it was just again have the right equipment. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It can be um, hard to dispatch stuff like that in in public areas. People tend to get a bit funny about it. I know that um, down here in Adelaide. From near where you said said you grew up, um, along the the shore there, that when people go stingray fishing, um, there's always a bit of controversy when they're pulling a stingray up and they're trying to unhook it and release it safely. You get all the um, Karens out there complaining and sucking. Oh, and- well, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just lack of education, I think, and understanding. They have their ideas about things, but you know the fish and chip stuff and all those nets that they, you know, get that that truly oceans are way better anyway. Yeah, one one hundred percent. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a it's a weird thing, and I'm su- I suppose you'd be um, pretty exposed to it. You know, someone that enjoys hunting, but also is a park ranger that works with with wildlife. Do you um get get many? queries about that from you know other workmates or people people passing through that you're chatting to so many times like but how but you love animals like how can you how can you kill an animal like well it's not i'm not killing an animal because you know i'm sadistic yeah there's you know it's there's a conservation element for me um you know it's an invasive species it's it's not a cruel way of doing it um so that's a big thing for me it's just another skill to have, but I also eat meat because I have nothing wrong with people who are vegetarian or vegan. That is everyone each their own. But, you know, I love animals, but that's why I would hunt animals because it's protecting other animals too. It's the same with, like, the crocodile farms. I'm, people really hate them, but yeah. if there's a demand, there's a supply, and they were so heavily hunted to the point of extinction because they're going to get the skin somehow it would just happen, the poaching would happen. So people do that industry because they love crocodiles so much and that's why they'll thrive in their natural habitat. I was, you're, you're almost covered what I was going to go down next. Well, no, I'm sorry. No, no, that's, that's, that's perfect. Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts on, like, because crocodile numbers are increasing in Australia. What are your thoughts on, like, a regulated hunting system like they have on alligators in America? I chatted to Jock, one of our past podcast guests, about this. He's from Northern Territory, so he's right up and close yeah. with, with crocs quite awesome. a bit. Um, what's your yeah. thoughts on if if they brought back a crocodile hunting season and they had regulated tags given out by biologists and studies... Um, I don't know. I'd, it depends if it be like how, how it would go back into the community for me. I just know just with, um, you know, with the whole alpha crocodiles and once you take them out, another one will take its place as well. Yep. Uh, they've just had such a, an unfair start in life that, um, you know, they're there for a reason. Yeah. They like, I don't think that we should go hunting them like, 
it depends what the you know like what the ethics are for it. Like you know, yes, the hunting season's okay, but they're there for a reason. They're not overpopulated or anything like that. Uh, up there, are they? There's too many, or I don't. Yeah, I like the whole idea of like letting people harvest nest on farmers' properties. Yeah, that's a, I like that because. People don't realise 1% only will make it to become an apex predator. Exactly. So they survive all those odds to get to that size. Um, that's quite an achievement. And then we're just going to hunt it just because. But I think if we put like a monetary value on the nest and they can, you know, harvest that, I think that's probably a better way to do it because they will have more of a survival chance there. That's definitely a, a, a great in, insight, you know. You do you do hear, yeah. see these articles, you know, crocodile numbers are in record numbers and all of that type of stuff so just yeah. you know i've always been obsessed with the show swamp people uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i i enjoy yes, watching the <laughs> I, I i enjoy watching the them hunt hunt the gators and always been really interested mm-hmm. in it and want to go over to yeah. to the states and you know hunt hunt an alligator but um yeah you know they are yeah. completely different they're similar animals, but they are completely yeah. different as well. Um, so you you gave a very good insight on on that. I, I actually haven't thought about it on the egg harvesting side of stuff. Um, yeah. So that's, that's definitely something great to think about, that's for sure. Well, with, like, farmers, you know, you hear the story about they have, they have you know, the, the nest on their land and they take the prized cattle and, all, and whatnot, and so they would just shoot the crocodile but what we haven't done it here but i know they've done it in northern territory what they've done is they put a financial incentive to the farmer for every like nest and they don't shoot the croc and leave it there they'll get money for it so that way they protect it then they can go in and harvest those eggs and i know a lot of it goes back into indigenous communities too which helps as well so everybody wins because as i said one percent actually making it to become like an apex predator because they get eaten by everything they start yeah. at the bottom so yeah and just me being me I like to look at, you know, our ecosystem is like a like a Jenga, you know, that game. Yeah, you yeah. Pull yeah. one piece out, one piece out, eventually it all falls apart. And I love being told, oh, the crocodiles, they're everywhere. Well, you know what? We almost hunted them to extinction. They're allowed to be here. Yeah, 100%. Where the smaller species, do the right thing, leave them be. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, uh, look, I, I love love crocs. Um, Steve yeah. Owen was my hero growing up, yeah. you know. Behind me, I've said it on the podcast before. There's a picture of Steve Irwin right, right there that I'm pointing to right now. Um, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> but you know, I uh, I do see you know the North American model works over there in in America, mm-hmm. so it's always interesting to to think if it would work over here with certain situations. You know, our kangaroo tagging system, for example, doesn't doesn't always um, regulate populations to what they they should be um, yeah. so like a tagging system like they have for yeah. deer over in America for, for roos over here would probably work a little bit better possibly, um, you know, and also with our tag system, especially in South Australia, there's a lot of, lot of wasted meat. Unfortunately, there should be yeah. um, a different way to go about that where you can um, utilize more of the meat, whether it's donating it to, people in need, you know, taking it, there should be like processes that you can take it to. And then that meat goes to like homeless. And that's how my brain yeah. works with it all anyway. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And that's, it's, it's funny you say that because, you know, that's another thing I've always thought about is like the farming and agriculture direction go towards more like emus and, uh, and like 
you know, I, I love crocodile meat. I, when I did my crocodile course, I lived off it. <laughs> it's it's, it's <laughs> beautiful. Awesome. Kangaroos yeah. is awesome. I haven't tried emu yet. I will go. But, you know, like farming our native animals for that kind of thing and using that instead because, you know, we're destroying more habitat for non-native animals. And I love cows. They're gorgeous. But we're planting like non-native grasses and they're just, you know, there's that whole side of it too. But if you will say farming, again, it's terrible. But it's supply and demand, you know. Um, like roos and all that, that you'd start planting native species and native foods, what's natural to here. So, again, it's it's going back to that, you know, hunter-gatherer thing and, you know, what's natural to us here in Australia. Exactly. Like, you do see the commercial roo shooting and, you know, mm. you, you go to the supermarket and it is much more accessible these days. You know, you go to certain... Yeah. Um, supermarkets, Woolworths, they'll have kangaroo, you know, certain certain mm. places will have wild pig, certain places will have venison. So it's it's mm. good to see all of those things. Um, you know, I've seen emu in shops before as well. Um, there's a little, little um, like smoke shack um, cafe thing a couple of hours from where I live here. And, um, you know, you can crawl in there, you can get crocodile burgers you can get camel steaks wow. you, can, you can get um <laughs> kangaroo beer sticks and emu steaks yeah. and all sorts of stuff <laughs> like all all these you know p- p- animals that people would find bizarre to eat um so more things like that would be be great you know some of our native animals taste really good i do agree that crocodile yeah. is amazing <laughs> Yeah, I made a crocodile lark, so and it was because that's what we had at the course, and it was so good. But they did really yummy crocodile burgers, so I made sure I came home with some of that meat. And yeah, it's um, and I again, I love crocodiles; they're my spirit animal, they're my favourite. But I also ate one. <laughs> <laughs> you you can love animals and eat them. Like uh, I I yeah. love deer. That's uh, that's one topic that we've I I talk about all the time is how much I love deer, yeah. how much they're a big pests being an introduced species, how much they mm-hmm. shouldn't be on the yeah. land, but I want them to be on the land. And it's such a internal battle between yeah. conservation and love of the animal and love of hunting the animal and love of eating the oh. animal. <laughs> In New Zealand, I, um, I ate deer. They, um, my, my ex-partner, he's, he's, he's a Kiwi. So yeah. Um, yeah, his whole family was into hunting and yeah, it's delicious. And I love, Deers. I love oh my my biggest thing is finding the shed, the antlers. I love foxes. They are so gorgeous. But also, I love conservation. And, and yeah, it's that whole conflicting thing. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, you do see that with things like Sydney Fox Rescue. Um, I'm not sure if oh. you, you've ever come across <laughs> across them. And then there's you know the de- the debacle with <laughs> feral cats in Australia. That's always gets people's bloods boiling. Um, you know, oh, uh, yeah, lock up your tart cats and leave them inside. Be responsible. <laughs> like just don't uh, don't get me on that. It's just yeah, oh. they're um terrible. But I love cats, but I won't have one. Yeah, again, so. I've I've uh, received my fair share. I'm holding holding up a that's a cat skin stubby oh, holder there. That- yeah, <laughs> and then I um yeah, have my cat skin cat hat. <laughs> That's awesome! <laughs> oh, so, I've got a, a little fox skin here with that. I'm gonna put when I get my finally get my rifle. That's gonna be 
part of it. That's great. And I've bought a crocodile belt and I'm just going to be the strap and I'm sure I'll hang some of the animal bits on me too. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, um, look, cats are great as a pet if you do the right thing, but at the end of the day they are nocturnal hunter. They're strictly carnivorous and I've seen what they do, again, working out west um, and they get massive as well. And they do. There's, and they carry diseases and everything and, yeah, I liked how they had that bounty. It yeah. was it was good because, yeah, they're just they're so detrimental to our, you know, gorgeous little wildlife, and people just don't get it. Yeah, they're, and I hate- they're horrible. You know, I've I've uh, received my fair share of backlash from posting pictures up with um, feral cats that I've I've shot with the bow. <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it it can be a touchy subject, and then absolutely, like, yeah, you get all the people that are just like, oh, just. Desex them and release them. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, oh my gosh. Oh, just, yep, anyway. <laughs> Look, again, it's just about educating people. But as I said earlier, there's a difference between a conservationist and an activist. Please don't mistake me as an activist because I understand the importance of conservation. You understand what it is to, um, you know, ma- have management plans with species and, you know, what, it, you know, having recovery plans. And also, you do need to, unfortunately, eradicate invasive animals and cull brumbies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. An activist just wants to protect everything, yes. which is so ridiculous. And they also, and just to go on to the whole zookeeping side of things and the SeaWorld side of things, they have no idea what goes on. They had this one idea because they saw this one documentary, and I'm sorry, but the standards that are there and the welfare that goes into these places is amazing. Like, yeah, and half the time they say they, they need to be released into the wild. They don't have habitat to go to. Exactly. Yeah, which really does my head in. And they will go and they cause a scene and stress those animals out because they think it's the right thing to do. And it's not. Because if it was, they would understand what's going on. It, it's it's definitely a definitely a touchy subject when it comes to zoos mm-hmm. and sea world type, type, type places, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you get people like um, – there's a fella who's been on Joe Rogan podcast a couple times. I love Joe Rogan. Yeah. And <laughs> I think he, I know this one. Yeah, he's, you know, he's um, gone in and spoken about, you know, against the places he used to work for and, you know, his love of these animals. and But also it's very, there's heaps different over there compared to what it is like over here. Our, our animal practices are very, very strict compared to other countries, you know, um, my... Mm-hmm. Uh, for work experience in high school, I I did what is it week or two at um, Gorge Wildlife Park in Adelaide Hills. I'm not sure yeah. you'd, you'd be aware of that being from Adelaide originally. Is that the sorry? Is that is that is it Cleveland or Gorge? Gorge Wildlife Park. Oh no, actually not. I've never heard of it. <laughs> so it's a it's a wicked little wildlife park in there yeah. in the hills full of kangaroos and um, reptiles, bats, and all sorts of stuff. Um, but you know, you you see all, all types of people complaining about all all different types of zoos. You know, we got Monado Zoo down here. Um, oh, they do fascinating. Yeah, yeah, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> they they are great. The only yeah. only thing that I have ever found wrong with Monado Zoo is they have volunteers that do the tours around the zoo, right? Um, and yeah, you're going through all the all the different animal enclosures and they're like, 
these are here because hunting's bad. These are here because hunting's bad. These are here because hunting's bad. And, you know, I'm sitting next next to my wife and with my two kids and I'm there muttering under my breath. I'm like, well, actually, hunting saved this species. Hunting saved this species. <laughs> my wife's just giving me daggers. She's like, just stop. And I'm uh, like... We, we go up there every now and again, you know, maybe once a year with the kids because it's, it's a good day out and you get to see all the awesome animals up there. And yeah. <laughs> every time... Do they I'll, say hunting or poaching, there's a difference, you know? Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Oh, the amount of times I've just wanted to, at the end of the tour, go, can I have a chat to you? <laughs> yeah. It's like, so, hate to be that person, but... <laughs> Can I can I give you the actual facts and <laughs> not just demonise hunt, hunters? <laughs> yeah, and, and look, I get it. I honestly never thought I would be someone who would end up being into it as again as a conservation and and whatnot. But here here I am because when you start to learn more about it and understand it, and again, it's just about being respectful and being ethical. That's I cannot stress that enough. It is. You're doing it for the right reasons. Um, like it's it is important. It really is, and especially if you're, like, you know, managing, like, pests and whatnot. But the other thing is, too, is that, and I am conflicted with this because I'm not, I would never go over to South Africa and do the trophy hunting and shoot yep. a rhino and pay all that money. And I understand, but, again, it's, like, it's no different to the crocodile farms. It's that whole, you know, supply and demand and exactly. need for it. So, you know, but I, I wouldn't do it because I can't. That, that, that's me. But that's then fine. Look, yeah, but it's like you understand why, but I I couldn't. But then, you know, the money goes back into the communities and stuff like that too. And, yeah, and they are literally, you know, captive, like raised and bred for that very reason. So, yeah, yeah we've all got our, like, our things with it. But Exactly. When there's a, a demand for these animals to be there, you know, especially with stuff like rhino, they target the, the older males that are past mm-hmm. breeding ages that kill the younger rhinos, you know. Yes, yeah. There's all, yeah. The, all these different things that go into it. It's a, it's definitely a, a big topic and without hunting in Africa, you know, just normal tourism dollars will not save animals because they won't oh, won't buy land, won't pay for anti-poaching, won't no. the meat doesn't go to the farm, like to the, the no. villages. And I think people got to remember, like, again, not to, like, be um, – poaching's messed up and I don't agree with it, but we, we're not – in like, they d- they'll do it for the money. At the end of the day, it comes down to money. So their means of surviving. We hate it, but yeah. we'll have to do it. But we're not in that situation. It's no different to when you go to Thailand. And, you know, I just – again, it's all about that money. I'd, I'd love to be – if I was rich, <laughs> instead of, you know, how they, they do the, you know, they poach the baby monkeys from the mum, yeah. I would – pay them even more than what they get for those photos. And I was one who got a photo of those in Thailand because I didn't know any better, but pay them more than what it is and get them to, you know, be a tour guide and of them in their natural habitat, you know, because like, it comes down to money with things like that. But we also have people who want to just get some wanker shot, you know, with a shot giraffe and look like, you know, they're awesome. So, you know, pay 30 grand for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, there's there's benefits. I've, I've personally got a couple of friends that have taken giraffes um, you know, again, with the older males, they, they'll actually kill the younger males. Oh, like the Joe Rogan episode with the rhino that yep. was go- had dementia. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. 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 Yep. It's, it, it's, it's a touchy subject. That's for sure. You know, yeah. me personally, if I had the money, there's not much I, 
I personally wouldn't hunt because I, yeah. I, I, I understand the conservation side of it. Plus, you know, there's all these yeah. different meats out there that I, I want to try and I know that meat goes back into into villages and money goes into conservation and anti-poaching and yeah. all of that type of stuff. Plus, you know, you get to yeah. even like the um, – they do the the non-lethal hunting where they um, put trank darts on arrows and rifles and you can actually just go trank a rhino – do all the measurements, do all the studies, and yeah, then you yeah, know, the data collection and stuff, the surveys. Yeah, get the get the photos. You know, people like Kendall Jones have gone over there. I can't remember. I think it's called green hunting, possibly. Um, but yeah, people like Kendall Jones have gone over there and done that, and you know, they still get <laughs> backlash for it because they're posing with the. Me personally, I I I quite enjoy. I like I I like trophy photos. Quite on quite yeah. trophy photos, um, grip and grins, hero shots, whatever you want to call them. What, I call them wanky shots, but not in a mean way. It's like <laughs> get a wanky shot. <laughs> so, <laughs> does that that cover your opinion on on taking photos with animals after you've harvested them? What's your? Um, I actually never got a photo. I got asked if I wanted to get a photo. I said no. Yep. Um, I I didn't feel that I needed to, but I I've got the tail um, <laughs> um i just yeah i mean i don't have any issues with the photos i, I appreciate them like and i get it, i may get a photo but but that time i didn't feel the need for it but i've got enough wanker shots on my instagram with what i do for work so i and i don't and, and it just bring a whole nother thing as well like as like obviously my job seems to define me so therefore even if i did it as a personal thing it's attached so yeah. it, it would just cause so much crap that i just don't care for so yeah no that's understand- <laughs> that's understandable yeah. hey I, I, I wouldn't call the photos on your your um instagram wanker shots there there's some pretty <laughs> there's some pretty badass photos there like the one i said i shared on um instagram where you're standing on a rock and you got the big wedgie oh. landing on your arm that's uh that was such a wanker shot <laughs> nah, that, that, that's fucking badass that's cool i love wedgies man they're they're a bloody bloody cool bird yeah, no, they are. I've, I'm an original bird nerd. They're just, they're just awesome. Um, yeah, that was such a cool experience and such a beautiful person to learn from. Um, yeah, just yeah, but like get on the rock and do some. This is such wankerish, but okay, <laughs> do it for the gram because I hate photos. I've got, none of them are flattering. All my photos have got an animal in it, or I'm either like fucking head down, ass up in an enclosure. So it's always like my butt. <laughs> like really unflattering photos. One of them looks like. Look, if you go on Instagram and you see the crocodile catch, there's a really unfortunate placed hand near my rear. So I just <laughs> say that. There's just no dignity, eh? <laughs> so speaking that you're a bird nerd, that mm-hmm. I like I said, I asked a asked for some questions on, on Instagram <laughs> today and because I shared the photo of you with the wedgie, <laughs> a few bird photos come through. This one's from Cody Giron. He's been on the podcast before and he's, he's uh, a regular with questions. Um, awesome. Thoughts on falconry, like hunting with birds of prey? Oh, I love the idea of it. I think it's fabulous, but um, we're just very strict here. But, also, um, yeah, I think it's awesome. I would love to do that. I'm all for it. But yeah, that, and why we don't? That's cool. That yeah. that, that um, leads to the next the next question, and you almost answered it um, <laughs> from K 
Kangal Babe, are civilians able to own eagles and falcons in Oz? Do you know? Um, no. So um, it, it it's it's really hard to get to get the license for it. You pretty much need to have um, like a, an exhi- exhibition license. Yeah. As a demonstrator, you need a lot of um, it, it just you, the, even just the setup for it. You got to have. Um, you need people backing in management plans. You, and at the end of the day, you need to know what you're doing. Like, it, they're dangerous animals too. You you really need to understand their biology, their behaviour, everything, because you know you, they will mess you up. And again, it's just it can go wrong. People will get it as well. So, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, yeah. Out of my way, I would have a white belly sea eagle here, and you know, a powerful owl. And but unfortunately, in fact, doing falconry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, owls are another great, great, um, great Aussie animal. Dan from Eureka Tactical, he, um, he's a massive owl nerd. He's actually a, um, uh, studying biologist. So he's in his final year at uni as a biologist. Oh, he's, I love people that do that. I I didn't. (laughs) 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 Love it. (laughs) So, what is the most rewarding experience? While caring for animals, this one's from S. Couchy, Couch Twenty One. Um, the fact that I'm lucky enough to even be able to work with them, like we, it's a dream job and it's hard, but it's just beautiful because we've got some really special species here in Australia. Um, we're so lucky to even, um, like example, bridal nailtails. I got to hand raise an endangered wallaby. Um, and it was jumping around my lounge room. Like, that was just ridiculous. And, That's wicked. Oh, man. And you won't see them anywhere else but where I work. And thanks to captive breeding, they were thought to be extinct in the wild. They were rediscovered. And now we have almost 1,000. So what and was the name of that? Uh, Bridal Nailtail Wallabies. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, to... so that's pretty cool. And um, meeting some really beautiful people in the industry as well um, and connections. And set the example, like, you know, with the whole conservation and hunting as well, that's rewarding. Um, I, don't, I could go on. There's so many elements to it. There really is. Um, yeah. But my big thing also is like behaviour and training and conditioning. So working with animals is cool, but then when you start to see that side of things, like it's mind-blowing. It makes you really question everything you do with every single animal as well and you really start to respect them more. Yeah. Like I said, I, I love animals so much. And, um, yeah, people don't understand that you can you, you can love animals and hunt them at the at the same time. This question's from Coastal Lads. He wants to know how you got into your line of work and is it competitive to get into and what's the application process like getting into it? Um, yeah, it's look, it's a flooded industry now, definitely. It seems to be conservation, um, ecology, It's it, especially here in Queensland. Um, um, I'd... I'm very lucky. I was mentioned earlier, I'm all experienced, no qualification. I started, I went to an agriculture, I went to Herbray <laughs> as an agricultural high school. I got into Herbray um, and one of my biggest <laughs> high school regrets was not going. I, I decided uh, it, not to go because I lived in the hills and it was a massive, yeah. massive bus ride from up near Birdwood down. It was like an hour and a yeah, bit on a bus yeah. morning and afternoon. Yeah. But I went to an agriculture. Uh, cultural high school as well. I was at Birdwood, but yeah, I, I loved Herbray, spent a lot of times with the Herbray people. So we probably <laughs> have a few, few mutuals. <laughs> yeah, so 
absolutely. No, I love it again, like hindsight. I wish I, I didn't appreciate it then because, you know, rat bag, teenager wagging and all that stuff. But um, from there, I just, I got into a, a vet clinic that where I was doing animal attending from there, vet nursing. And I, and my vet nursing is what got me into my wildlife as a spotter catcher. I, I cannot s- stress experience because nothing beats experience because depending on what you want to do, you need at least five years experience out in the field. So just volunteer everywhere, um, you know, put in that time, um, yeah, and that's that will always outweigh everything. You know, it might cost you something, but at the end of the day, you'll shine more than the people who can do a really good interview. Because um, if you say for a government job like where I am, the, ap- the application process is intense. I, I bet. hate interviews. Look at this. I <laughs> I don't interview well. It, it's it, to me, it's like an exam. I have I've I've slapped my face like in my head because of a stupid answer. <laughs> it's like fa- epically failed <laughs> because it's it's just so yeah. It's just the whole language. Anyway, um, yeah. Where was I going? This shit. Sorry. It's <laughs> no, no, all good. It's all um, good. Oh yeah, the application process. Yes. Yeah, so you got to you know hit the criteria, government language. But if you can show that you know you've got the skill set too, yeah. It'll help immensely. Yeah. I think I lost where I was going with this, but nah, anyway. That's fine. <laughs> you, you, you definitely got there. So going back to Herbray, did you get into <laughs> <laughs> did you get into show, to showing uh, cattle and stuff at the show? Yes. Loved it. I was part of the horse club and they had a nocturnal house and we had a wetland. It was great. It, yeah. it was awesome. You know, riding a horse at lunchtime in the rural show. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was good fun. And then we did all the... I because I hate maths. I if I don't like it, I won't do it. You know, yeah, stupid I'm, in my head. I'm the same. Oh, terrible. Use my fingers still. And they, I remember the teacher striking a deal with me. Like if you just pass moderate maths, you can do all the animal subjects. And then I was, you know, flourishing and did amazing. But then I got this job at at the vet clinic and just went from there because I wanted to be a, a vet. And I got into uni twice to do it, and then I realised that it's boring being domestic animals and whatnot. And yeah. Also, chemistry, it's like you might as well be speaking another language to me because I do not know what they were doing. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got a boy degree. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, can, but, um, I can definitely relate to the whole the whole school thing, not doing what you, what you don't want to do and then teachers making deals, you know, Birdwood Hire, they had a um, conservation park, so I'd go out and do stuff out there and we also had our agricultural, like we had sheep and goats and chickens and all of that that stuff, all the show animals. So we'd take yeah. all them out and prep them and vineyards. and So that's where I, I spent most of my time as well out. <laughs> awesome. I actually just, I just with that question before, one yeah. of the things I could say is um, don't when you when you want to get into this industry, if you if you show that you are dedicated and you're interested and be proactive in your in like learning with them. Make sure you, they see you, not just when they're looking. Do the worst job because if you can't do the worst job, you don't deserve the best job either. Like we all start from somewhere because if you put that time in, you you will get it, you know, you really will. And just show that, you know, you, you want to learn because you are competing with people with a lot of experience. So you just have to take control of your of your own destiny with that and career and, yeah, that's, and just network too. That's, that's a great, great bit of advice for sure. So – People getting into it, do you find that these days people are more like on the activist side of people getting into it or do you find like there's a mixture of like conservation-minded people and then activist-sided people or is it all they weed, um, it, weed it out pretty well? Yeah, 
uh, yeah, they do weed it out pretty well, actually, because um, because I know that's going to sound really rude. <laughs> um, activists, their heart's in the right place, but they're not educated in the conservation side yeah. of things. People don't want to get into ecology and conservation and understand that. Um, yeah, but there is a bit of a whole thing with, you know, um, say, like, if you want to get into threatened species and doing that kind of research, then they do not think that any threatened species should even be in a zoo institution or on display. So you do have that kind of battle. It's just where you sit with it. So it there's all these little pockets in this kind of industry and they're all a unique breed of their own. They're all each to their own. And it, it just as long as it works well together. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you do... You do need a good mixture of people, especially when it yeah. comes to conservation stuff. You know, people bring in different insights in and, you know, you're able yeah. to work out on common ground and work out what's best, take a little bit from here, a little bit from there. Yeah, and st and study an animal that's just unheard of because, you know, there's always that so hot right now animal, but there are some really awesome animals out there even I didn't even know existed and, you know, but, you know, pick the most sort of random thing and, yeah, watch it like you shine because it'd be so good. It'd be so interesting. What's yeah. What's the most random animal that people won't know that you can recommend someone to look up and check out? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, hang on. Even... Well, Eastern Bristle Birds. Has anyone, no one would have heard about them? No, nope, I haven't. So they're like, yeah. They're, they're a critically endangered bird and they're they're boring. There's nothing special about them. They're just brown, but, again, they're critically endangered. Um, so there's a lot of work being done with that. Crumman do fabulous work with that, actually, with their recovery um, plan. Um, central netted dragons is my thing at the moment. <laughs> cool. So I'm guessing think, they're a, sm a small little dragon lizard. They are awesome and they're tiny and they've just got so much attitude. Love them and they're midgets. Um, they're just great. What else? Oh, what else? That's wicked. I, I, I love lizards and snakes, you know. I love my lizards at the moment. They're so intelligent, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I'm yeah. driving, like, my my wife will attest to this, like, we'll be driving down the road and I'll see a bit of dragon or a stumpy or a blue tongue on the side of the road. I, you know, pull over, jump out, catch it, pull ticks mm -hmm. off, show the kids, take photos. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, yeah, and then when I have to relocate the wild ones, forgetting, you know, because I've been working with captive ones for so long, I forget, you know, I, I am a predator and they get defensive. I'm like, oh, that's right, you bite. <laughs> and I don't ever want to be bitten by shingleback because those things are the worst. They're like mini crocodiles with their bite force. I love shingleback. They're my favourite. I just, they're so, oh, they're just awesome. They've got such personality. Yeah. I'm I, actually currently training one right now. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I, I love stumpies, shinglebacks, but bearded, yeah. bearded dragons are definitely my favourite. Favourite. They're, oh. they're just, yeah, they're cool. They've got the wick, like the best texture, like when you're, you're yeah. feeling them, they're like s somewhat spiky. <laughs> Oh, we've got one at work. It's, he, he's just a jerk. Like, he's just all attitude. And I respect that. But, um, yeah, he's. I, I like my shingle bags. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I just. So many animals. I don't, like, top of my head can't think. But, yeah, I don't the, know. The weirdest animal, and I brought it up before on, on the podcast when I spoke to Lana from Haysucker, um, was the Sega antelope. You seen them? Oh, no. But now I'm going to have to look it up. <laughs> they, they are. They look like something out of Star Wars. So they're, 
they're an antelope species from like China, I believe so, Mongolia, China, that that whole area, and they've got it. What looks like a massive flaccid penis on their face <laughs> with a foreskin. Yeah, this is my kind of spirit animal. <laughs> the tiniest little little horns, and they they've just got this massive flaccid um, wow. foreskin penis hanging from their face. Oh, it's <laughs> You you get like it. our cassowaries. <laughs> oh no! Those they... hangers on her neck. It's like who wants to go around life with a scrotum attached to her? It's awesome. <laughs> it's just it's just odd. Yeah. Oh, now I'm gonna have to look that up. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you you definitely get a good laugh. You'll be like, what the fuck did you just show me? <laughs> um, you know, the one animal that freaks me out. Like we all have a thing, but. I now they, I like them now to appreciate, but the, the shoebill storks, the crane things, those yeah. they're weird birds, and they they're just like serial killers within their family, and they look like a human in a puppet outfit. Yes. They freak me out, like uh, they really do. They're they're weird, actually. Oh uh, yeah, people are weird too. <laughs> <laughs> that, that they are. But now I'm going to look at some you know. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> so, top five dream animals to hunt anywhere in the world. I know yeah. you're not a trophy style hunter, but money not being an issue, if you could just go somewhere, <laughs> hunt it, doesn't have to be like hunting it for a yeah, trophy. No, it's yeah. just to be out for the hunt to get to experience following that animal, learning about it in its natural habitat. I would want the most elusive, hardest tracking animal to possibly get. Yeah, I don't know what that is, though. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have, have like, oh, I would like to go to Canada to chase moose or go to New Zealand to chase Himalayan tar or... Is, no, no, yeah, no, no, I haven't really thought. Maybe elk. Elk seems to be up there for me. I don't know why I just, like, it seems to be the thing. But, yeah, I don't know because I never look at it as that kind of thing. But if I had to... <laughs> I don't know. I can't even answer that one, actually. <laughs> nah, no, that's, that's, that's fine. Whatever it takes the That's fine. Like, I, I, I put alligator. that. Alligator. Alligator would, yeah. We covered that before. That's, it, it's, yeah, it's a hot still, top one. Yeah. But, yeah, bugling elk, that would be just incredible to, to yeah. experience in real life. Plus, imagine the shit, like, finding the sheds for those bad boys that you can I just know. in your room. I keep going to Narain State Forest hoping to find one one day. Like, it's, it's my treasure hunt, but, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so how far up in Queensland are you and what type of deer species do you have have up that way? Um, I, 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 just, I don't know. Isn't that terrible? I just know that no, they're, they're coming all the way down to Mudgery Bar and they're out in Narain and they're all around near Springbrook and they're just trashing everything. So that's the one animal that I haven't hunted. I'd like to, definitely. I'm here, but yeah, just getting onto a property to do it would be good. Yeah, that's that's another hard thing about Queensland. There's no no public land. It's the same thing as down here yeah. in South Australia. Um, there's some great organisations um, such as the Australian Deer Association. Um, mm-hmm. There's I've been on a on a podcast where a couple members really speak highly of the Queensland ADA um, organisations and. You know they can get you on deer if when you sign up through them and do all the do all the meetings and stuff that you have to do through that to be able to go out. So yeah, awesome. That's that could be something for you to 
to look into to learn more about the deer species and deer hunting through Queensland? I know these guys are in Brisbane um, branches, so I'm not sure how high, how much higher you are <laughs> than Brisbane. So. Yeah, no, I've definitely looked that up because um, it's it's definitely an interest for me, absolutely. And you know, even go, I would love to go to Cape York and like, um, you know, hunt the wild pigs up there. I, I don't, I wouldn't, I'm not in, I, I don't know enough of it to really have an opinion. But I don't just using the hunting dog, pig dogs. Like, yeah. I, I don't think that's for me. I mean, I just, I like again, I'm I, I'm not informed enough to just to say anything. But I don't. That doesn't suit me. Yeah, look, I, I wasn't massive into into it until I got taken out in New Zealand and seen the skill, especially in New Zealand because it's so such a mountainous terrain, how hard those guys work over there and how well they work with their dogs. And the same thing yeah. here, I had a bloke on here, Jock from the Northern Territory. He's a, he's a mad keen pig pig hunter with dogs and the bonds and just how he describes it it's 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 yeah. it sounds really appealing and also brought it up on a couple of episodes that steve Irwin was a massive pig dog hunter he, yeah. he hunt all, all I, love, I love my dogs and they're, they're gorgeous but yeah i just i don't know if i could like i said don't know enough of it yeah. i just i know that wild pigs up there are terrible and exactly. i definitely want to shoot one more but yeah i don't know i'd would bring my dog into it but you know if you know what you're doing obviously it's success exactly exactly cape york would be awesome you know especially oh, absolutely. you know you got um you know all the scrub scrub ball that's high on my list i, I would love to yeah. take a scrub ball with a bow that's just <laughs> see bow hunting something i want to get into as well like that's another bucket listing is skill to learn so getting there it's good definitely look into it um there's a, another podcast that's based out of brisbane um becoming a bow hunter um that's oh, a, cool. that's a great great podcast to listen to if you want to learn more about the archery and you know he's he's in queensland and there's um also um a bow hunting course that they run up in cape york chasing pigs oh. um cayuga well, adventures so they they run through all your bow hunting, your training, and then you go out Excellent. and you hunt pigs. So that's always something. Pete, I love that. Yeah, and it's run by some great, great people. So now, See, that makes me really happy. That's the right way to do it because, again, like so much can go wrong and if you, don't, if you just don't know what you're doing and it, it, it is a skill and it is a technique, at the end of the day, like they will mess you up. They're, they're a dangerous animal too. And I just I like it when it's done properly because that way everybody's safe everyone has a good time and it, once again it's done humanely so good on them exactly and that's that's what it's all about so how do you see the public views on hunters um yeah look it's you're right it, i think for, for me they look at it just as like you're just you're drunk and want to go shoot shit like definitely um and don't get me wrong there are Think people like that out there. Um, it's definitely not something that people favour. It seems to be quite an old school mentality too. Um, yeah, and then these days more and more people are becoming animal lovers. They just can't detach with that love for them too. So I don't know. 
I mean, and, you know, as I said, if there's an apocalypse, we all need to learn to do something. <laughs> exactly. So, taking photos at the beach doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> How would you change the public views on hunting and hunters? Um, I would actually just show them, like, okay, I, I shouldn't use this as an example, but I'm going to. <laughs> Um, this is not Queensland um, Park's bloody opinion. This is just an example. But they, if we didn't have hunting and pest management, we wouldn't actually have half of our animals thriving in captive breeding programs in predator-proof national parks. So that's just a great example of it, you know, because, you know, we introduce species that shouldn't be here and we destroy the habitat. So, you know, we need to fix that. Um yeah, and again, if, if it's not a senseless killing, you utilise everything a part of it. You know, as you said, give the meat to to the less fortunate. You know, donate the meat to wildlife parks too. Like they, it costs lots of money to buy that kind of meat as well. So you know, as long as you use it for something good, even like for your raw food diet for your dog and as game meat, it's great. As long as you're utilising it, it's and it's just a good skill to have as well. We can't just rely on Woolworths. <laughs> Exactly. How would you change change it? Like, what 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 examples do you reckon would be a good way to like things things programs that could just change people's perspectives on hunting? Uh, honest, I think it, to be honest, goes back to like to the traditional landowners, like and their way of life and respecting them. They were hunters. Like, let's look at it that way, you know. And that's one education way. Um, I honestly don't know because it's it's a battle constantly and everyone's going to have their own opinion. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's that's a that's a funny one. You brought up an interesting thing there. Like, people tend to be okay with traditional people hunting, traditional cultures hunting, and I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like, what what is like you know. It, hunting is traditional in every single culture around the world. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> like, I know, I know. how, how uh, is it okay for one, one group of people to do it, but it's not okay for another group. Uh, I, I just think like TV shows with, you know, that make it look like they're just rednecks and shooting shit that yeah. has a lot to blame for it because it gives it a bad name. They, they just look at it like that. And the more idiotic and loud and like obnoxious, they are and the more drama it is that's just what they think it is but when you look at it there's actually a lot of there's a lot of respect there and again like you know people don't just go hunting and, and wipe out that population you've yeah. got to sustain it there's there's things in place because you've got to work with the land and with the animals and with it as well so you actually become a better person <laughs> i think you you understand a lot more i agree with you there that's yeah that's for sure um how do you think that like Trophy, going back onto trophy photos, hero <laughs> shots. How do you think that affects the the public image on hunting? Like with social media, it's so accessible no, for yeah. everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you feel that affects hunting and hunters? Again, it's a photo's a context. Like there's all, you know, one photo can just ruin everything. With Yeah, so I guess, again, I'm like, you know, me for the like trophy hunting over there that's i wouldn't do it but each story but i understand it um yeah i don't know it just people get to be keyboard warriors and they get to get these photos and yeah i don't know 
I have no idea. <laughs> it, all, it all just looks bad. It's all terrible. <laughs> I can definitely see how, you know, if if you're not wanting to see hunting photos and they pop up in your news feed on Instagram or Facebook or wherever, you know, if you're not wanting to see it, how it can upset you and then it can just make hunting. It. Yeah, ex- exactly. But people don't. That pops up and they get upset. Uh, <laughs> I actually. Oh, well, there's some I see. I get triggered. I'm like, oh, there was a beautiful, I think, mountain line or something. And I, it wasn't like a gory photo. But I just said, oh, that's sad. I don't want to look at that. And I just kept, I kept scrolling. Yeah, there's, there's people that, you know, just won't do that. Speaking of yeah, mountain line, oh, apparently they are amazing eating. <laughs> really? Yeah, apparently. I still eat it. <laughs> they're supposedly like pork. They're a very delicate white, white meat, like pork. Wow. I tried. I, tried, I want to eat python one day because, like, I tried eating a snake. Like, yeah. obviously, already killed and prepared for me. But yeah, there's not a lot I wouldn't try to eat. Actually, I'm just, yeah, I'm a cricket. <laughs> I I actually ate a rattlesnake in Mexico when I hunted there a few years back. That was that was interesting. What was it like? It look, I, I it was quite late when I was cooking it under, <laughs> under a torch. Um, I don't think I cooked it quite right. Um, I think it was still a little bit raw, so it was like a real stringy, stringy texture. Um, oh wow! Yeah, it was. I, like I said, I don't think I cooked it quite enough, um, but it was a it was definitely an unusual flavour. I feel like it would taste just like it looks, if that makes sense. Like yeah, yeah. It just, it, just, it, just, it just be weird, but I'd still give it a go. But you know what I really rated over there? Bullfrogs. What? Frog legs. <laughs> okay. Please explain. I need more. <laughs> I just feel like it's cane toes. <laughs> what would it taste like? So... Like a just a very, I, I know everyone says stuff tastes like chicken, but um, yeah, like a, <laughs> it it was different, but it was really good. Like a you know watching swamp people and all these other American hunting hunting shows, you see them collecting you know those massive big American bullfrogs, and yeah, where yeah. where we were staying in Mexico at this farm, they had big lakes behind the the homestead and filled with bullfrogs. So I'm like, you know what, fuck it. Went out, caught a bunch, yeah. prepped yeah. them, cooked the frog legs on the barbecue, and they were surprisingly <laughs> good. I can see why French oh, yeah. French people eat frog legs. <laughs> and snails. I haven't tried snails. I had chicken feet at like a yum chap. But yeah. like, I was going to ask you, what do you what spices and stuff do you do with a bullfrog? What complements the flavour of a fucking bullfrog? <laughs> <laughs> I like how you guys have barbecue, so we've got the smokiness of it. That's cool. <laughs> I put salt on everything. Like, so yeah. it was just, just salt. Oh, but amazing. you put salt on oh. them before you cook them and they yeah. twitch. Like all the muscles on them just start twitching and they're like dancing. Their feet move <laughs> up and down. It's, it's crazy. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but I recommend oh. you try it. If you, yeah, if you, no, I'm, I'm definitely curious now. <laughs> oh wow, God, the things we do is funny. That's awesome. Well, you know what? What happens if we don't have you know 
farming and you, you have to start being self-sufficient, you may be eating cane toads and cockroaches. You never know. Well, that's what they were trying to do with cane toads there for a bit was try and um, advertise them as something that's edible. I don't think it kicked off. But it- <laughs> no, it kills your pets, but, you know, we can eat them. <laughs> well, it's it's the skin that's, that's the toxic part. I think the meat of the back legs is actually quite a delicate edible meat, so... Would you do it if I sent you? We've got some awesome cane toads. Don't, up don't here. send, don't, them. don't send them down here because we don't want that no. shit down here. But um, no. I'll, I'll, good, <laughs> I'll, I'll go up there and one. eat them. There's, there's not much meat wise I wouldn't, wouldn't try. So, <laughs> no, see, I wouldn't eat anything. That's, I, I'm not an insect fan. They just like I've had crickets. That's the extent of it. Like the witchetty grubs and oh fuck off! It's like a giant maggot. Like yuck! I've, and I've had witchetty grubs. I've had those other types of beetle larvae, um, hun- oh. honey ants, the green ants up in up in Darwin. Um, you yeah. eat them and they taste like lemon. Oh, I had a kid tell me that you know mealworms taste like peanut butter. I'm like, who? Which one of your parents? And gross. <laughs> it might taste like that that cheap organ. Well, not cheap, but that yeah. or- organic <laughs> crappy. No, you know that organic shit. <laughs> That's yeah, just horrible. No, it's no, not real peanut no. butter. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is like mealworms. I'm like, you, it's a it's a maggot. You're putting a maggot in your mouth. Like, it's, just, it's not my thing. It's fine. <laughs> I'll give all of that a go. <laughs> Well, one last question. How would you like to be remembered? Um, I don't want to be now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Just someone who's just been able to educate people about, like, you know, our wildlife and the importance of but not being such a strict boring person just having fun with it. i don't i don't know just as ranger kayla <laughs> yeah no, that's that's great that's great that's 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 perfect answer i reckon <laughs> so, uh, i can't i can't promote myself i'm i'm so crap at this stuff like obviously <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you, you, oh yeah no we'll finish this up i should have just said this <laughs> <It's like an laughs> no nah, it's that's fine this is what a, a podcast is it's it's supposed to be free-flowing and just whatever comes to mind first, whatever tan- tangents you go on, like eating bullfrogs. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I just like never – like, oh, man, this is whole, the whole world's opened up again. And now, <laughs> and now I've got to look up, you know, a dick nose of a freaking, like, deer. Yeah. This is great. Yeah, Sorry. A Sega, a, <laughs> a Sega antelope or however oh, you pronounce it. They're, they're hilarious. Um so if people have enjoyed enjoyed listening, where can they reach out to you, say g'day, find out more about you, see your photos? Yeah, well, I um, suck at social media, but I, Instagram seems to be the thing. Uh, Ranger Kayla, it's spelled... Kayla's felt different. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes so people can find it. And if if you're looking for it, just I'll I'll have it all on my yeah. Instagram. Um, I'll get you to send a send a few photos through, and I'll chuck them up while then while the episode's coming out, so people will be able to find you and say awesome. g'day that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm always happy like to answer questions if. To, like the extent of what I know. And if not, I'll look it up and, yeah, just 
you know, it's, it's all about networking and reaching out. It's it, There's a lot of people in this industry that uh, have a lot of ego and it, it, even like from owning snakes, you know, you see people asking for advice and they just get d- just destroyed and it's not the way to be. So, you know, anyone who's happy to talk wildlife or crocodiles or hunting, yep. Bring it on. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming on. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and all the oh, rabbit holes that's you gone so down. Much. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. No, it's awesome. I really appreciate it. Like it's yeah, it's cool. <laughs> uh, it's it, it's been good, and I know people will thoroughly thoroughly enjoy it and hear a different perspective on hunting and and the outdoors and Australian wildlife. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> no worries. Thank you very much. Have have a good night. You too. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Catch ya. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this, please share, tag us in your photos, t- share with your friends, your family, tag us in your social media, subscribe, rate, review, help the podcast grow. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Hunting Connection Podcast, Facebook at Hunting Connection Podcast, and Twitter at Hunting Connect. Thank you for listening.